I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Wise Men Say podcast. We're all giving up our bank holiday, so you can probably... Ignore us till later in the week anyway, right? A point is positive enough, enough for us to refrain from mourning this evening, I reckon, with me and Gareth Barker. Damien Spellman from the Press Association is here. You're back in the swing of things for the new season, Damien? Just about, yeah. A couple of games in. Uh, feels like I've never been away. The World Cup sort of aided a little bit, didn't it? But it's nothing like the Premier League. Absolutely. Must be great for you when Sunderland and Newcastle are both in the Premier League. Though, and it's been a while now for both. Yeah, I mean, I was really worried at one point last season that we were going to lose... Uh, we're going to lose Sunderland. Like, like, of course, we lost Newcastle a few years back, but uh, I'd like to say Middlesbrough back up as well. It'd be, uh, be ideal to have all three mm, of them. Is that still a derby? Do we still class that one as a derby? Well, I don't think Newcastle and Sunderland ever did class it as a derby, think, but Middlesbrough always yeah, did. Yeah, I think we did for a little bit of spell when Brian Robson was there, and they started being they, they turned really good like Newcastle, yeah, yeah. and we were still rubbish in Division 2, <laughs> and we got a little bit bitter about it. I think it was maybe a little a bit of a derby feel to it then. Craig Clark's here as well. He was here last week. Don't worry, he's not going to be on every week. We've only, we've only really brought brought him in to, to make a public apology about his early assessment of Will Buckley last week where right? <laughs> he'd done everything but write him off he wrote him off practically didn't he uh, sorry I wrote him off but, yeah well <laughs> people, no. couldn't ex- people couldn't expect that from me that's, uh, not, that's, that's not going to do true. anything yeah. uh, well I didn't I did make a point of saying I'm not writing him <laughs> off actually and he did play very well yesterday I'll happily so let's hope he continues in that vein. Want, Craig. I'm not trying to stitch up. With I know you. you're not. Right, OK. <laughs> we're going to talk also with our guests now. We're going to start just talking about the Man United game first. Um, just brief, like an oversight of it. And then we'll come back and uh, analyse it further more for the second part. So with us today on the phone, we have Peter Hall, who's a freelance football writer for Sky Sports, Skybet442 Team Talk, amongst others. Peter, you can you start by just giving us a summary of the game from a Man United fan's perspective? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, another game that didn't that didn't go to plan. It wasn't uh, it wasn't pretty, that's for sure. Uh, from a United point of view, not the performance that we wanted and needed really. And Louis Van Gaal was right in his and his, his verdict after the game that we just didn't create enough chances. We had plenty of the ball, but we didn't do anything with it. And the players that, regardless of who was at the back, the players that we had in an attacking sense, we should have done a lot more um, with the possession that we had and. Uh, Sunderland, as you, you boys had chances to win it, so you know it wasn't plain sailing, that's for sure. But um, it's not the end of the world, and onwards and upwards, I suppose. But things need to improve, and uh, and pretty fast. Louis Van Gaal saying it's a, a confidence thing. Would you would you go along with that? It seemed to be to me because I was when Gareth and I were watching the game. I said, you know, Man United are moving the ball quite slowly here. They were given. I thought they were given Sunderland a chance to to regroup and reshape quite often. You don't often see that with a with a like top four, top five sides. No, you're right. I mean, it, it was a bit like that. It was just like I said before. It just wasn't utilising the ball when we had it. And yeah, I think I think it might be a confidence thing that you know, I get a couple of wins under our belt, and then who knows, we could sort of uh, kick on. Uh, a dim, this De Maria signing might uh, might be the instigator of that. If um, once that is uh, is finalised, and that could be the 
sort of catalyst we need to sort of propel ourselves back up the league and, and start playing the, the football that we, we've got the ability to. And hopefully when Van Gaal and his, and his system goes into play, then that will work as well. Do you think you need a lot of a lot of new players come in though? Because I mean, some of these younger players who are playing, you know, in an ideal world, you want to see youngsters come through, don't you? So I guess like in a situation where they could sink or swim, um, they're probably just treading water at the moment. Yeah, we were discussing this in the office today that um, we've got we we spent all this money. I'm assuming the Di Maria uh, move goes through, which looks like it's going to, um, will be the highest spenders in, in world football. But we may as well go the whole hog. And keep going. We need we, we need reinforcements at the back. We've got some good young talent. Yes, that's that's correct. But we we need if we're gonna if we're gonna get back up, challenging for the title again, we need proven ability at the back. And we don't have and we don't have it. We, we've got we've got you know the likes of Phil Jones, very very good. Rojo is a good signing. But we need quality at the back, and especially if we're going to be playing three at the back in that formation, we don't have the cover. So we have to buy. At least once and a half, and uh, and and still, well, we've it's always it's been the our perennial downfall for for a long time that we just we don't we need numbers in midfield as well, and and under Herrera is a good signing, but we need more, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm being a bit greedy, but I'd love I'd love another central midfielder and at least one defender, yeah, definitely. Damien, maybe you can offer a, some sort of neutral perspective on this. Um, as you were watching the game, how how did you see it regarding? You know, obviously the national press have gone to town on Manchester United. Sunderland fans sort of understandably get defensive about that and say, "Well, you know, Sunderland played quite well." How do you view it? Well, I've got to say, I thought Man United were pretty poor, actually. I, I, I agree that we, I mean they were dreadful at the back. I'm not a fan of Valencia and Young as midfielders, let alone wing backs. So I just, I just don't see that at all. I can't see that working. But what I thought Sunderland did, I thought Gus Poyet got his tactics spot on because he targeted the wing-backs. He had Wickham and Buckley running at them, getting in behind them, Sunderland played the ball over the top of them. And I thought that put the Man United under uh, defence under pressure. And, and they buckled a bit the first 20 minutes. They, they just looked absolutely angst-ridden at times. Um, so I thought Sunderland tactically got it pretty well spot on. They denied them space and then when they did get space in the second half they defended deep and there was there was no no way through them really until they sort of tired and then it then it got a bit hairy towards the end. But you know, I have got to say I you know, a few Sunderland fans I've spoken to were a bit disappointed Sunderland didn't have a go at them. But I think they did pretty well and given the levels of match fitness at this point of the season, um, you know, to to come away from that with a point I thought it was a pretty decent performance There's an argument for that Craig that Sonnen possibly could have pushed a little bit further t- took advantage of obviously a, a struggling Manchester United side at home or, or do you think you know you, let's put things in context for Manchester United standards that had a poor season last season they still finished 7th which was a far better finish than Sonnen achieved so when you think of things like that you know it's still, it's still a difficult team to play Well if, <clears throat> if Manchester United are a, a work in progress and so are Sunderland we're st- we still don't have a sort of a complete eleven out there that that I think Poyet would like to start with. Wickham, he played well, but he's not really a left forward, is he? And Fletcher still looks a bit out of sorts in that lone striker role. So towards the end, they'd had so much of the ball, and although they went sort of penetrating our defence, you know, players were chasing it. It tires you out. When we had the ball, it was difficult to make things happen. Um, I think that was noticeable that uh, Jordi Gomez 
sort of struggled a bit when he came on because he's he's not a ball winning midfielder and we just didn't have enough of the ball for him to make things happen and I think that indicates that we did just about as well as we could I think the most interesting thing was um, <clears throat> out the door coming on and really having a go at that defence and in a way that maybe it wouldn't have happened if he'd started the game but yeah. it was a way that Fletcher just couldn't, well, couldn't Gus has, do that Gus has almost said that Alador's going to be like an impact sub the first mm. half of the season hasn't he and I know Gareth and I will call him for that the introduction of Alador 10 minutes before it happened yeah I would have liked you, to you, see him yeah, yeah you thought he was going to pull those defenders all off it didn't quite happen like well, that well I, th- I think Phil Jones had an excellent game as well to be fair if you're going to play three at the back you need someone to bring the ball out and I think Phil Jones did do that very well for Manchester United and I think he just generally he looks like captain, captain material to me for them in the next few years, more more than Rooney, who just was pretty insipid, um, I, I thought. I don't think he was particularly great. I don't know what anyone else mm. thought about him. But Peter, do you think Phil Jones could be captain material? He's, he's, he's an interesting <laughs> one that I, I said to a couple of people after the World Cup um, when Louis van Gaal got the Man U job. I said, this could be interesting as an England fan. Some of these England players who have struggled, the likes of Cleverly Small and um, Jones, whether Van Gaal could, you know, turn them into the players we all hope they could be. Yeah, well, with Phil Jones, um, I've I've always I've, I've always had his back. He's um, I'm a big fan of his. I have been for a long time, and he's a bit kamikaze, but you know, he's, he's a young he's a young man, and once he cuts out out of his game, he will be. And I agree. Um, I'd I'd love to see him with the armband. I'd give I personally I'd give it him now. I don't like you. Rooney is captain, a man that's has to leave the, leave the club twice. It doesn't sit well with fans. You know, he, he still divides fans now, despite his scoring record, despite all he's done for the club. Uh, you have to leave United twice, then you know it's, it's almost unforgivable, isn't it? So, I'd like to see Phil Jones as captain, a captain's armband now, and I think it would work in a, in a way that, with the responsibility, he'd thrive. He'd thrive with it, and under somebody like Van Hal, who can tutor players like Fergie used to do. It could it could really be big for him, and I'd I'd like to see it now, and uh, certainly within the next couple of years anyway, and then that could bowl well for England too. I think he played like a captain. Actually, I think uh, he led those two uh, two young lads either side of him really well. I, I think they both played pretty well, actually. Keane and um, sorry, what's the other guy called? Black, Black, Tyler Blackett. Yeah, yeah, I think they both had good games, and I think that was in a large part down to. The fact that Jones just really did lead that defence. Sort of almost like the, the responsibility's been forced on him and, he, and he's taken it. Definitely. Well, that's how I view it. I mean, obviously, I know we're, sort of, we're interested in Sunderland, but like you say, from an England perspective, and, mm-hmm. and in terms of could we have beaten them, well, I think part of the reason we, we didn't was because Jones was very commanding and, and put in an excellent performance. Mm, the Wayne Rooney one's interesting, Damien, isn't it? Because he, he didn't. Like Peter said, there. Uh, I mean, Peter's thinking it from a, a fan's point of view. He's asked to leave a club captain, but get, getting to his performance on the pitch, uh, I think Craig's just touched on it there. He, he just, he, I'm not going to say disinterested, but for by Wayne Rooney's standards, he, he, he was almost like a lost soul, wasn't yeah, he? Very little impact, and I, I think there wasn't a great deal of service to be fair to him and Van Persie. You but know? Rooney would normally go and seek for it, wouldn't well, he? It, unless you know unless he's been instructed not to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Second half, he, yeah. I thought he dropped deeper. He came looking for the ball, but. Ironically, I think sometimes he's he's less effective that far away from goal. You know, he needs to be in the in that final third, in and around the edge of the box. But yeah, it's it's a strange one because I mean, no doubt we've all seen him for for years. He's at his best. He's he's a match winner. He's a stunning player. But you know, it 
it just wasn't it it didn't look right yesterday I've, I've, I've got to say and that's a shame because he is a top class player when he's at it mm. My, uh, Peter can we get a Manchester United fans perspective on Lee Catamall's performance yesterday or Lee Catamall as a player generally he's not uh, he's, he's not the prettiest he's not he, get, he doesn't he gets all the bad press but you, you know what you're going to get from him and that's what that's what we got yesterday and he he, he ran the show really and we, we we struggled to compete with how competitive he was on um, and people like Darren Fletcher, who he doesn't mind throwing himself around, but he just, he couldn't cope with the pure physicality of him. And but you knew you were going to get that. That's that's what he brings to the table. And he's more than that. He's he's, he's he gets a bad reputation because of his because of the physical side of his game. But he's he's good with the ball as well. And again, when you're away from when you're at home, sorry, you. You need a player like Catamol who can who can take charge and against the against the better sides and and that's what he did. He stepped up when he needed to and he put himself about like he like he always does and and we knew it. We we expected that. That's that's what you get from Lee Catamol. But I thought we'd be able to do it with it better than we than we did yesterday. And uh, at times we were we were we were struggling to to get past that barrier and we should be able to do that with the players that we've got. Gus Poyet Craig said he'd been prepping for that all week, playing against the the three five two, and it's just nice to see Sunderland team take the field with a game plan, isn't it? Certainly, I actually think at times we sort of shifted to a back three. We, we certainly did the second yeah. half, didn't well, we? Well, even in the yeah. first, I, I I noticed that Buckley was tucking in, and I wonder whether because of the f- sort of frailties down the left in the first game, Wickham not really covering Van Arnholt particularly well. Van Arnholt himself having a bit of a sketchy game uh, in terms of his positioning and whatnot. It looked to me like Brown was moving out of the left to help cover him. Virginie was tucking in and Buckley was dropping back. And obviously Buckley had sort of great levels of energy and, and an excellent pace, good work rate as well. Um, and then after the goal, I noticed, I thought that was a bit less noticeable. But then in the second half, like you say, I think it became, as, as we sort of were a bit more backs to the wall, it, it definitely sort of looked more like a back three at times mm. Interesting Peter do you think a draw was a fair result? Yeah yeah well I mean you had chances to win it um, we we had yeah we had the possession but we, we can't really think of too many saves a keeper had to make and that's the most disappointing thing um, I, I, before kick off a draw wouldn't have been the end of the world but when you have that much of the ball and you don't do and you do that little with it it's very very frustrating and Sunderland more than more than matched us, and yeah, the draw was there was certainly yeah, certainly a fair result. Do you think who's your next games against? Is this important to build up some momentum fast? Yeah, well, I am. Um, when you uh, looked at the you look at these earlier fixtures, no disrespect to the clubs, but the first sort of seven fixtures are, are teams that are going to sort of be bottom half of the uh, bottom half of the league, and we should be getting. We should, well, I thought we we could easily win them all. This is before the start of the season. We got one point from two games, and it's 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 better than better than none, I suppose. But still, it's you know, but there's, there's not much momentum there. But this, I think this this De Maria sign might be the the catalyst for that. And but with Burnley coming up, we've got to go and do what Chelsea did and and, and roll them over and, and quite comfortably. Something quite reassuring about a Man United fan feeling more dejected than some other fans, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good point to go out on.
Thanks to people there. Now, okay, us in the studio are going to dissect this a little bit more, be a little bit more specific about players and systems and the like. Uh, Damien, just a little summary, though. Very much work in progress, but the side looked cohesive and purposeful. Yeah, I think it did. I mean, you wouldn't want to think it was the, the finished article. You know, as as has been said earlier, Wickham is playing out of position down there and, you know, for, for all his, his strengths and his hard work, he's, he's not a left-sided midfielder. Um, but there, there were positives. I was very impressed with Buckley, direct, went both ways, very good. You say Katamo was, was very good. Larson fitted in well again in the middle of the park there. Um, Fletcher bit quiet really but again there wasn't a great deal came into him but uh, and, I, and I thought O'Shea and, and Brown were just very very calm at the back just very solid it was uh, yeah I thought uh, it was a, a pretty solid performance for the mm. second week of the season Move the ball quickly Gareth finally under previous managers you know certainly under Martin O'Neill it was laborious at times wasn't it and even under, under Gus last season we were seeing you know for all this possession based philosophy that he was implementing onto the side they move the ball quite slowly, and you know the crux of this for me is Seb Larson. Um, now I know you've always been a little bit of a fan, and I haven't been. Um, he's close to turning me into a convert, by the way. But I was, I was, I was watching the game on Sunday, and I, and I thought, you know, he's got it. He's finally got it. Um, he was setting him up positionally, setting himself in a position to get on the front foot, and he's moving the ball quickly, and mm. that makes a huge difference if your midfield players start doing that. Definitely, I think. One of the reasons we are moving the ball quicker is is down to the fact that we're seeing it less often where one of the deeper line defensive midfielders is dropped in to get the ball from the goalkeeper. I think that really helps because mm. once you once you're playing it out to the to one of the back four, um, the the ball gets moved forward faster because and that's Larson again, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because when Catamol receives the ball, Larson's coming shown for it a lot yeah. quicker than he did last season. He would probably sort of I'm not going to say hide, but almost as if he was just getting lost amongst bodies in midfield. And this mm. season he's He's making himself available. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. I mean, we were talking. I didn't. I wasn't aware of the comments, but Gus had made comments about saying basically Larson is now a is centre a is a centre yeah. midfielder. He's not going to play further forward, or he's not going to play wide. And I know he did go to right wing back for periods yesterday when we did try and match up in the last twenty minutes. Um, but again, that's a it's a deeper role. Um, and with Larson, you know, I've always said he does a lot of. Um, you know, dirty work. He does. And, he does. And yeah. but what I, what I really like about the pair of them now is that they seem to have an understanding, and I like the way they hunt the ball um, at the right in the right times. They do, it's not chasing the ball into areas where he shouldn't be going. Sort of, it's it's like they're a tag team, Larson and cutting them all in there. And when when yeah, someone comes in there, <laughs> when someone comes into their area, it's like right, and then they're like engaging the ball, and then when it's not there, they, they drop back into shape and stuff like that, and it's. It's really good. Like it's disciplined, like mm. defensive midfield play, and when the when the one when they get into that situation where they can get that ball back, it sort of comes quite compressed in that fight, like the sort of the beginning of the final third, I'd guess. And that's something I've noticed as well from a defensive perspective is we do we don't really engage the ball, and someone gets into the final third, we sort of let people have it, and then it gets it gets so sort of compressed that it's going to take something really special for the opposition to. You know, a quick spell of passing to get into the box and create an opportunity that's difficult to pull off. So they're sort of compressing that space in front of the box, hunting the ball down, and sometimes it's like three or four players will eventually converge on the ball, and so what, invariably a Sunderland player will come away with it. And I think that's down to 
I think that's down to Larson and Catamol, to be honest. Mm, I know, I know Gareth's sort of always been a fan of Larson Craig, and I haven't, so where are you with this? Um, because Gareth mentions there, says Larson does a lot of the dirty work, work off the ball. My argument with that is always that a good midfielder would do that naturally anyway, and mm. then still put themselves in a position to be proactive on the ball. Larson, on on Sunday, yesterday, was it's one of the best games I think I've seen him play for Sunderland honestly I think he's got a habit of playing really well against bigger teams who have a, a lot of possession against us he is a good reactive player mm. I mean Man City in the uh, cup final Man City in uh, take your pick of, of our yeah. good performances yeah. against them he's, he's always put in a, in a good stint um, but like I was just say, like the hunting and packs thing, and you're saying he's reactive. Yeah. Yesterday he seemed to be proactive a lot. Well, no, I, yeah. I was going to say it's reactive, but it's not just reacting to situations. It's as in when we're having to sort of defend, I suppose. But he, he is getting better with the ball. He's actually been involved in all three goals this season. Mm. He set up with a cut. All right, it's a, it's a set piece, but he set that goal up. Catamol's goal at West Brom. Free. It was his free kick that was cleared, and Catamol scores, and obviously scored himself bursting into the box now. Mm. That's that's more than he's done for quite some time, but it's building on how he finished last season. Thought he, he was a bit unfortunate with a free kick yesterday as well. He hit it. He was he, well. The struck. line was wrong, but like he did hit yeah. it nicely. He had a nice bend on it. But his hopefully, end. he's been working on those because he came and his, his set pieces were marvelous for yeah. six months. Yeah, and, he scored. and then and then suddenly you just they just stopped him, didn't they? And you, you've got to wonder. You've got to sometimes wonder how much is down the play and what they're doing on the training ground. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, that's that was one of the, his main strengths when he came came in, and it was a fantastic weapon for the first season. But yeah, last last season, as you say, it largely eluded him, and you, you wonder whether it's it's confidence. It can't really be t- technique. You wouldn't have thought. You know, you you wouldn't think you'd lose that technique. But when when there's pressure on, when you're not scoring goals, and then you might get that one two chances a game but even his corners were, were very ordinary last season mm. exactly yeah, yeah. Um, so. and then this season I mean that was a delightful corner for the goal wasn't it yeah yeah absolutely and yeah. unusual as well I guess because it was an outswing I was just going to say it's funny that um, we actually have scored I can remember a goal I think it was at Fulham when we won under O'Neill 3-1 and it was an outswinging corner for Quayer and I, I do think that's an underused technique to to take an outswinging corner it's a bit different like it's you know playing it short as well I, I like the way we do that you know you get groans from mm. the crowd when they play it short but I think people have got short memories because that did lead with the opening goal in the derby last season for example yeah, that key goal at Fulham as well was a nice little routine mm-hmm. um, but we've, we've got you know, we've got some it's just for evidence that we're working on stuff now that's what it? I mean yeah, yeah. The, 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 sh- the shorter free kicks and the sort of well I guess it's like that second phase of attack isn't it that if you can get to, to do quite often we, we want to get that ball over to the back back post to the deepest Sunderland player in the box and then they'll invariably it's usually Brown mm. and he'll head it back over or bring it down and, and cross it and that often comes from like a, a second phase from a set piece so whether the first one's cleared and someone's got away at the back post or if they do take that short corner and then someone gets in at the back post and it's a quite I mean O'Shea, if O'Shea hadn't fouled as a defender, which a bit unnecessarily um, in the ba- in the last stages yesterday, okay. then we would have seen that in action again when the ball went deep from Larson and uh, and it, it actually that's the same free kick that we used when Catamol scored. It was mm. the ball at the back stick for Brown cleared out and Catamol scored. So it's, I mean, it's it's you do wonder we do that all the time and yet people don't pick it up and you wonder why mm. because people are obviously concentrating 
you know, on the on what's going on in the in the centre of the penalty area. I don't know, mm. but well, I think it depends as well what kind of marking system that the opposition are using, perhaps as well. Zonal yeah. man marking, maybe cl- clubs will start looking at it in man marking brown in in a mixture of yeah, systems. I, I guess you don't want to pull somebody out that far. Perhaps yeah. not. But it, uh, it's interesting, you know, they always say, oh, you've got to have a man on the on the post from corners. Well, if you play that in-swinging corner at the far post, looking for a second phase, having that man on the post plays everyone on side for the second phase if you're headed mm. forward. Whereas if you take the man off the post, you might be beneficial to play an out-swinging corner. Mm. We don't, we don't, the first we don't put players on the posts. Do we? No. I, I, to be honest, I, don't, I, I wouldn't know. To be honest, I, I, don't, I don't know. We, we, no, don't, we don't. We don't get the analysis from Gary Neville and likes. We're not important enough. So <laughs> he, he brings that to your attention on like Monday no. night football. We, we don't. We yeah. don't. We don't have men on the posts. So we I'm we mark. Totally we mark a mixture as well. I think we mark zones. But it's like, one of those like that uh, you sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. And there's arguments for everything, isn't there? Of course, there are, yeah. yeah. Every goal you can dissect and say if you had done that or set up there or put him there. It could have been prevented, but get, getting back to our, our our midfield, we've touched on one of them. Getting to Lee Catamore now, I briefly asked Peter about him there, and Damon, he's he's stock surely rising now. Gareth and I were talking before the game and saying, you know, it, he's been playing well for that long, sort of under the radar, under the public radar, under the national media radar. That yesterday a game live on Sky Sports was a perfect game for him just to show people what he's all about, and of course he came away with the Man of the Match award. Yeah, he was very good, and he's he's been very good since he got back into the team. I mean, it, it looked like Bridcut had been into re, uh, been brought in to replace him, really. But he got himself back in, and he's and he's never looked back. He's done very well. I think I think the problem he's got is perhaps a little bit of what you said there. He doesn't do anything flash apart from ramming one in the top corner from twenty five <laughs> yards. Either. But you know what I mean. He yeah. does the dirty work, and he does it well, and he distributes it simply. He doesn't. Although he does put the occasional long pass in, it, it's the little short ball and the movement and the little triangles, and he he does the the doggy work, you know. And it's mm. but he, that, he, does, he does it with a high intensity, doesn't he? He, he does. keeps the energy going. And he, he does. He keeps and he also does it from a position where he allows the the players in front of him to receive the ball in the more dangerous area. It, he 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 almost bends the shape of the team together when he's playing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I think that I think the problem he's got is that if if you're talking internationally. Do, do England want a player like that? And I mean that, that type of player, or do they want a ball player? And the other thing that goes against him, perhaps unfairly, is that people outside of Sunderland will still remember the two yellow cards in five minutes, you know, that he did three or four times in a couple of seasons, and you know the rash tackles and things like that. Pe- people think Lee Catamull, well, is a liability, um, which he hasn't been uh, certainly for the last. What eight months, mm-hmm. uh, nine, ten months, or whatever he's been, he's, he's played very well, and uh, and you would imagine has been one of the first names on on Poyet's, uh team sheet and every what, week. What makes that even more interesting on that point, I, I do agree with that. There is a negativity about his reputation um, when you talk about England. Is if you look at somebody like Wayne Rooney, who was captain of England before, and he's currently captain of Manchester United. Mm. When he's gone and got himself sent off mm. by mm. getting involved in petulant situations quite often. That's yeah. the big club thing again, though, isn't it? It is, and, but yeah. he's as petu- like he's as petulant as they come, and, he, and he's he's one of the main men. So mm-hmm. if he's good enough, there's de- there's an argument for him to be playing for England. And we've been sort of a few of us have been pitching this, and I know what you're saying about is he the kind of player they want? What's the matter with somebody who breaks it breaks the play up and and like you say, passes it on to the create like somebody who's going to carry it, no. and and also on top of that. 
the drive that Catamore gives you in the middle of the park. That's the thing. With the, 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 you, the side keep their shape when he's playing. He almost forces them into doing it. it just everything's it? everything's quicker when he plays. Everything's more sort of dynamic and aggressive and you know purposeful when he's in the team. And when he's out of the team, you notice. You really do notice that that disappears. And it's a he's a that is a gift. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. In a football that have that influence on a team, I don't. I think that's a you know a skill in itself. You know, it's for somebody to be able to influence a side, and you know I think it's about time he, you know, he definitely. I mean, caps some caps and friendlies get handed out. You know, like you know, Christmas presents from the pound shop. You know, something. It's, it's like. You know. I was wondering what analogy you were going to find. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, I did get the chance to, to briefly ask Gus about Lee Catamol after the game, and he was quite frank about it. I hear that now. Do England have many better defensive midfielders than Lee Catamol at the moment? No. He's but that's in my system. That's in my system. You, you need can't to play mark, a certain way. Improvement from where he was. I, I tell you what, uh, he's definitely the most improving player under me here in Southern. No doubt. Quite frankly, I like, but I think he got he got his point across, didn't he? Um, Craig, it's 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 one of those, isn't it? Now where um, I noticed uh, a, a distinct change in attitude on Twitter yesterday, probably from some of the people from outside of Sunderland um, regarding Catamol. So he's he's sort of put himself in the limelight a little bit now. It's up to him to carry that on. Um, definitely, I don't see why he can't. Um, he's been phenomenal, uh, I think, in big games, key games. What I was saying about Phil Jones uh, for Manchester United, I think it's true of Catamol, just in a more advanced position. Obviously not playing as a, as a third centre-back, he's playing as a deep-line midfielder, but I, I agree with everything Gareth said about his sort of drive. Um, it, it it just leads, it's not just leading by example. And, and what you're saying about him bending the sort of the shape of the team, I think it's a personality thing. I think like that's a, that's a rare thing. You can have a really good player who's like somebody, somebody like Adam Johnson, who's apparently quite a quiet guy, and he doesn't sort of impose himself on a lot of games in the way that you'd like him to. And I know it's a different position with different skill sets, but because I think that that Catamol thing, it's—I mean, I'm not comparing him to this to, to Roy Keane because I think like, you know, I think that's a yeah. bit over the top, but it is Keane-esque in a way. It's that's that's what he could do, and and like somebody like him, I think there's no higher accolade that if you've got that. Determination, drive, sort of the w- will to win. Even mm. well, that's it because you mean you can get bogged down in tactics and systems and, and formations and everything. But if you've got a player who can sort of carry your team and, and, and lead by example, you know, 
basically human, the human beings, Cap- aren't they? And Cap- you're playing football and you have a captain alongside mm-hmm. you who's, who's driving you on. That makes a, a big difference, doesn't it? Captain of a Premier League team at 17 years old. Like, I know people will say, well, it's Middlesbrough or whatever. It's playing in the Premier League. Like, that is, that's an, a real achievement. And that shows that what he's got about him for him for them to give him that responsibility um, I think that's you know that's reflected in in what you see of him every week um, and you, you know he, he from what you hear from people around the club and stuff he's you know he epitomises what it is to play for a team in the north east of England you know there's a cliche and all that uh, that people use about you know you've got to be a certain kind of player and all this you know it's good to have local people as well. It is. He's a, lo- he's a local size, lad, and he's, you know, the passion, you know, in his face at times in games and stuff. It's the desire that he's got. Mm. And you I know, always remember going back to um, a game when when I remember Paul Thurwell was possibly his debut, and Kevin Ball, you know, really just giving him it every every two minutes, <laughs> saying you know, leaving him under no illusions. What 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 it took it to, to play in that midfield, and mm. you you kind of get that from Catamol as well, don't you? He isn't going to accept passengers in there, is he? And I think that's important. But we we haven't really got time to talk about Catamol anymore because we, <laughs> we we could do it. We could sit here and you know just dedicate the whole podcast to Lee Catamol, <laughs> you know. Um, but the, uh, before we move on from the midfield, I think we have to mention the third one on that midfield, Jack Rodwell. Now marked improvement from last week, Craig. Um, I think that goal was very important for him. It was like stalking the fire for him because he's a little bit behind the others still, and that is just match fitness. But with him scoring, he suddenly feels rewarded by that, and he, th- he feels like you know he's 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 gathering he, momentum. He's 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 getting some fruits for his labour, if you like. Yeah, definitely. He's. Um, I think, it, although um, he wasn't maybe sort of involved on the ball a great deal, he just has a presence. It's it's sort of hard to explain it. It just felt like he was more present yesterday, like like he, he was more visible, more involved. Whether it was on the ball or not, he just he seemed to make not like it. the Tommy Miller's. Uh, yeah, like the sort of the <laughs> the opposite of that, like or to an extent, the way sometimes Larson, like oh, you God, mentioned, or, played, or yeah. Colbert, but that, even to an extent. Yeah, that's ball. the thing. I was uh, one of the points again. I was making about Larson because he sort of changed that around, hasn't yep. he? But getting a Rodwell, um, Damien, th- this is. W- you know we're bigging up Larson here. We're bigging up Catamol. Now there's three of them. That's going to be the starting. If Rodwell's going to keep improving and he's going to add himself into an already functional midfield, then that can only be a good thing, can't it? Well, oh, without a doubt. I mean, if he if he gets back to the the, the kind of form, or anywhere near the kind of form that he he was in as you know when he first burst onto the scene, he'd be a superb addition because he's a very good player. And I, I just thought, you know, I, I thought again he was he was reasonably quiet yesterday, but quite quietly effective when he got involved. But the goal reminded me so much of another former Evertonian, Gary Speed, the way he got into the box and a big jump, he was powerful a good leaper, header, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, and it you know that that to get a midfielder who can get into those positions late, even in open play, I think that's that's a real weapon, and it, it's difficult to deal with. And if if you've got Larson and Catamol giving you that base in there, and he can he can push on, um, I, th- I think he could be a real asset to them. Mm, you definitely can't. I mean, we were talking about Gomez last week, Craig, but you, you can't see past those three at the moment in that position, can you? Definitely not. Um, the only chance somebody like Gomez, I think, has got of getting in the team now is if Larson does become a bit of a passenger in a game where we're maybe expected to impose ourselves at home. And you know, that sometimes good, has happened in the past. It's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. He needs it? competition. Maybe yeah. that's helping him. Maybe the fact that he knows 
Gomez is waiting in the wings or if we need somebody to do the dirty work you've got Bridcut as well waiting there so there's options I th like I said earlier I think Gomez it's that kind of game isn't for him I, I know why Gus brought him on I think he's trying to you know, we could have won it. It was there to be won, and he can find that key pass. I think at West Brom, that ball down the line for Van Arnold yeah. proves that. But because Man United had so much of the ball, he he just isn't a ball winner, and he just looked very passive. And I think his time's going to come, possibly as a substitute in a tough game. It's nil nil. Could be next week at QPR. I mean, they've got about three thousand midfielders to choose from, <laughs> despite Harry Redknapp's claims to the contrary. Um, <laughs> You know, that could be the kind of game, though, couldn't it? He could come mm. on in that game and he could find that killer pass for someone like Adam Johnson or Will Buckley getting in behind if they're coming on to us. And, mm. you know, that could be the and difference then, between a draw and a win. And then we have Jack Arrini waiting after that yeah, as well exactly. to come back in the side. So there's definitely options there. Um, one place that isn't um, a huge amount of options, Gareth, is, is that front left position. Mm. Problematic position. Uh, Wickham done okay there. I don't think we're going to get carried away and say he was great, but it isn't his position. And it's a, again, it's a good sign that you know it isn't that much of the detriment to the side um, when Wickham's playing there. Yeah, we um, can't. You know what I mean? Like last season, we you, it would have been a real problem if we were playing people out of position. But this season, you know, because everybody knows their role, knows yeah. their job, we're kind of almost carrying it a little bit, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, Wigan was doing work that Fletcher should have been doing from the left position. Um, um, you know, really, and it, it, you can see that he's not being utilised properly out there. But he did do a, did do a good job, um, and you know, I think that was helped as well by the fact that Van Anel was a lot better. So together as a collective, it, there was less sort of emphasis on how week we were there because they both their performance levels improved from last week I think it's interesting again going back to Barini <laughs> and and is this wide left position that he'd be occupying if he was at the club you wonder the results in the two games that we've had would would they have been improved for having Barini there because we well, know the what we're it's getting almost like we're carrying it now we know Wickham, what we're getting it? we know what we're getting from Barini you know what he's going to offer he, like you say, he's comfortable in the system and all that. You know, I'm not saying Barini would have made that same run as Wickham made um, yesterday when Ben Buckley put him in. But you know, do, do you fancy Barini from that position from a defensive perspective? He's definitely more. Um, he's got more like defensive attitude mm. than, than Wickham. Stuff like that. So, you know, filling that position with the right person is is vitally important. That's not a dig at Wickham. Because I've, I've been critical in the past, but he's been playing out of position. He's done whatever he can, and we, and we, we did the, we did we did the echo well the echo article. I did comment on the thing. I think that I thought that Wickham should go back through the middle, Buckley to the left, and, and Johnson to the right is how how I would have um, set up. Obviously Johnson was ill, but would that have happened? Would he have just put Johnson in and not bothered with Buckley? I don't know. It's an interesting one, isn't it, Craig? Wickham's going to go up front, certainly, you would imagine, when, when that position is filled. As Gareth says, we now have to consider that it's an option that Buckley and Johnson can play on the same side because Buckley, you know, a lot of us sort of thought, OK, impact sub. Um, I know, joking aside, what we were saying earlier on when I was trying to stitch her up, but, I know. you know, um, <laughs> it now looks, you know, he's, he's put himself in contention again. Johnson's now got something to think about. We've said there, Larson's performance may have improved because he thinks he's got competition for Gomez. The same can now be said for Johnson. Fletcher's going to be the fall guy here, isn't he? Well, he's going to have to put his ideas up. I mean, it's just, 
not good enough at. I mean, I, I know Damien was saying earlier that you didn't have a lot to work with, and I do appreciate that. And he was working sort of lone front man position against three centre halves, and I know I keep ex- sort of extolling his uh, so he might be his a victim, value, but he, he, he he might Jones be a, was yeah. it was playing but well. But he, he might be in that case, and Damien Fletch is almost like a victim of circumstance because he isn't suited to playing as a lone striker. You can understand he's not getting maybe getting the service per se, but another centre forward who would be suited to that system would do a better job of it if we're being frank and we're being honest quite possible but do you know what when you look at the four strikers at the club he's the one who scores goals you know I mean his his first six seven months he he did he got 11 or 12 Um, but I mean obviously there's there's something you know he's had injuries there's a situation where he he might have left the club there's clearly a a disaffection there Um, but no I mean it just didn't look like Getting you know getting anywhere near a chance yesterday. I think there was the overhead kick, wasn't there? Was yes, perhaps yeah. the only half chance he had, which, to be fair, was a half chance. Um, but if you put the ball in the right places, Stephen Fletcher will will score goals. But are they, are they set up for Stephen Fletcher, or are they better set up for yeah. for Wickham? That's the thing. That's isn't the it? question. Yeah, that's but, the main question. You can't. We're not in a situation where we can play to 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 Fletcher's strengths. I think that's. Mm. In Fletcher's strength, it's a, it's a purely selfish pursuit in his behalf. Almost like Darren Bent. Like, like I'm not, Darren yeah, Bent. Yeah. I'm not saying like I'm not calling Fletcher selfish. I'm just no, saying it would be that, selfish. That's there, there is strengths. Yeah, yeah that that is in the, this. You know, the strength would basically be Stephen Fletcher scores all your goals, and that's that. Like like yeah. we said about with Bent before, the the difference in goals we scored, you know, season after season, when those four or five seasons around when Bent was here, the goals we scored that's those seasons weren't exactly different. We mm. had a bad one when we nearly went down under O'Neill and De Canio took over. That season we didn't score many, but it was always around the 45-50 mark. It, whether you had the proven 20, 20 season goal mm. scoring or you didn't, so you know it's just I don't I don't know why that is. And <coughs> no, I was having this sort of conversation with my dad. Uh, I think it was my dad. Uh, about you think he was night last night could have been anybody uh, I was conversing yeah. with somebody about Fletcher and never tash I know uh, <laughs> might have done <laughs> anyway I was t- uh, whoever it was was listening to me yeah. spout, if you're listening out there don't be offended yeah um, he, he, I know we've, we've said this about him at Wolves before it was Doyle who went the lone striker role and all that kind of stuff but he, I think that's what O'Neill recognised that he, when he had Bent there him and Sessignon kind of it worked with Fletcher and Sessignon it didn't and he brought Graham in I think to be that sort of battering ram who might not score that many goals himself but the idea was he would maybe take some of the pressure off Fletcher give him some space and the team was in theory set up to sort of help Fletcher score goals you would get players wide and get crosses in and look where that got us it just it didn't it didn't benefit the team and if Poyet wants to set his team up to play a certain way and I don't know. I mean, w- there could be an argument for saying I mean, it, it doesn't work like this. But you could play it out the door, and he might score one goal, but the rest of the team scores fifteen or sixteen. Or you play Stephen Fletcher, and he scores ten, which isn't obviously a certainty in his current form, and nobody else scores. Now, which would you choose? You choose 
16 or 17 goals I know life isn't that simple but if no, that was the option you'd play Altidore yeah. every time and it's the modern way isn't it now you've Definitely. got to look a centre forward can't be judged purely on goals can it? which is more possibly the kind of forward Stephen Fletcher is he would want to be judged on goals and that just isn't going to happen look, look at, look, I mentioned examples last week I think Hernandez Cissé <clears throat> Bent Soldado at Spurs it just hasn't worked because yeah. he's He's an out-and-out goal scorer, but he doesn't do anything else, does he? Yeah, and he's a top-class player. The exactly. Kid. You see him play for Spain, and he, he looks a wonderful player. But. At, the, at the moment, Altador is, in my opinion, a better option than Fletcher. Well, I was going to say, like, it's, it's getting to a point where you, you would want Wickham up there first, ideally. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, but we don't have anybody on, the, on that front-left position. Yeah. So while as long as that situation goes on, is there a case for Altador to come into the side ahead of Fletcher? He looked a powerhouse when he came on, didn't he? His decision nice making was questionable. The, nice reaction yeah. from the crowd too. I thought when Altidore yeah. came on, he seems to have a bit between his teeth. Altidore since he's come back. I mean, do you think Poyet's took a pressure off him in that way though? Because he's Poyet's came out and said, um, you know, Altidore's comfortable with where he is at the moment, yeah. and that seems to be an impact sub. Yeah. He's almost said to him, "Look, you're not um, you're not going to start. You're going to come on for the last half an hour." And Altidore seems to have accepted that as sort of maybe a platform for him to regain some confidence. Yeah. He's took that on board, and like you say, you know. He looks better for it. He does. He looks in a better place. Great, mentally. great um, dribble towards the end. It's just a shame he ran out of steam before he could get past that last defender, maybe. But it really was a like excellent run. He, he ran seventy yards with the ball, and he he took four or five players out of the game. I think you know, the first thing he did when he came on was a really nice sort of flick touch um, yeah. round the corner, like maybe round the defender yeah. as well. And you just thought that looks like the out the door when we first got him. He looked yeah. like he had something. Then he became this sort of mockery as time went by because he just wasn't scoring and it, goals. And it coincided with Sunderland's season as well, didn't it? Because we, totally, you know, we yeah. couldn't win games, totally. and people sort of put the two together, didn't they? And I think it was Gareth who said the other day, watched the the DVD, the Sunderland highlights at the beginning of the season, and how unlucky he actually yeah, he looked. He was good. Yeah, he, he did have something about him. It, but it, there were still there are still things about his game. I mean, unless they've sort of disappeared. Now he's had a bit of time with the national team, where he seems to thrive a bit more. Where he just looks like he doesn't necessarily belong on a football pitch. You know, sometimes when that ball spins up and he doesn't know where it is. Mm. But maybe he's managed to, if he builds his confidence up again, maybe that gets nipped in the bud and he starts to look like the footballer we hope he can be. Mm-hmm. Okay, well we're going um, to talk now about the um, the game, the Birmingham game. Um, so carry on with Altador there I guess you would imagine he's going to start going to be one there's a few obvious ones isn't there Altador's going to be one Gomez is going to be one Jones Bridcut maybe Bridcut these are players who need a player Pantillimon I think Gus yeah. said yeah. Manny yeah. did call him Panty he's going to have to get a better nickname for him. <laughs> what did we, we give Costy him the nickname Costy <laughs> Pants that's, that's the nickname we gave him so we're happy to stick with that but um, Altador for people I'd like to see him yeah give him a go give him a go You've got to, haven't you, really? Yeah. And when you get to the midfield, um, you've got to assume, like Damien's just said, that Liam Bridcut's going to come in because mm-hmm. it's important that he plays games, Damien, because although him and Catamon are centre midfielders, as are Rodwell, Larson and the like, the different players. And, and, and Poyet has has said, look, it's going to be Catamon or Bridcut in that position, mm-hmm. nobody else. So Liam Bridcut is only a suspension or an injury away from having to play in the Premier League so he needs to play absolutely right yeah yeah. I mean you know they've, they've had the 10 weeks off or what in the, well not 10 weeks but they're back 10 weeks without playing but then you know you can do all the work in pre-season but you've got to have match fitness it's completely different so uh, different when you get out on the pitch there and I, th- and I think you know until sort of 
the back end of last season, it was touch and go in Gus's mind between the two of them, either or. And I think Catamull has edged himself ahead, and that that can only be a spurt, a bridge cut to to get himself back up to the the level he was when he made his debut in the in the derby and had a and a, had a great game. Mm. Similar scenario for Gomez, Craig, because. Um, like Bridcut and Catamol, Gomez finds himself at the moment of, as one of three between him, Larson, and Rodwell. So again, he's only an injury or suspension away from having to play in the first team. While Jack Rainey's not around, so he's going to have to play as well for the same reasons. Yeah, and it, as well, it's going to be one of those games against the team lower division. So it's a game where you think, right, we're going to go there and impose our game on them. And Gomez seems to me like the kind of player who hopefully can be instrumental in breaking a team down. Uh, maybe more so than Larson's capable of so that'll be quite nice to see and it's also nice that I think in previous years when we've had midfields where it almost feels like a race to a bottom race to the bottom rather so it's like oh who are we going to play this week oh is it Colback oh is it Vaughan oh is it Larson Gardner yeah oh Gardner you know and it was like which pair of misfits is it going to be now it's like oh yeah, because everyone's playing so well, it's a fight to get in that team, like you say, Damien. And it's like they're going to have to lift the game, and it's a more of a race to the top. It's a competition. It's it's refreshing. We've not had that in midfield no. at Sunderland for a long, long time. Certainly not. Maybe we'll see um, Mavrias coming down that left side. Maybe if he. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting one because th- th- there are some players um, he's going to want to keep in the team, Damien, for for momentum's sake, I guess. Um, Jack Rodwell is one. That's an interesting one. Do he clearly isn't quite there with his match fitness yet? So you go look at this two ways. One is you give him a rest and make sure he's fit again, round to go the weekend. Another one is to keep him playing. Absolutely, but don't forget there's an international break coming up as well, so he'll, he'll get some rest then. So you wonder if he just so you would play him and just keep it going once the minutes under his belt. Yeah, I mean it's a big decision to make because you don't want don't want to risk him breaking down with a with a hamstring or you know a, a muscle injury because of because of fatigue. But yeah, I mean you could see him starting with him, and you know if if things go well, bringing him off, giving him a giving him a spell. Um, but yeah, you, I think Gus has said that he he's not going to make wholesale changes, maybe three or four. Although I'm pretty sure he said that last year and made nine. Mm. <laughs> I think I'd be wouldn't be surprised to see Virginia go to centre back instead of Brown, maybe, and then Jones coming at right back. Well, it's back. an interesting thing with Brown because by the way, Virginia was superb. He was, he was, and Gus Gus the right thing, did the right thing to. Um, play Virginia over Jones so that there was some yeah. understanding in the back four that ta- wasn't it that tackle that Van Aal was going on, going about saying it was a penalty on Van Persie no one went no. on about how, what a brilliant tackle yeah, that was, was never by Virginia no. No. yeah I know but some people some people think it was a penalty strangely I was terrible um, at the time it was right in front of us in, in the south stand and I, I thought oh, it's a, like just because yeah. of the way he's made the challenge I'm, and your natural reaction as a panicking Fan as you, as you, as a team's coming on to you, you think oh it's a penalty. Then Brown does that, and you think ah oh, <laughs> one of the two. This Man United referee yeah, is yeah, going to yeah. give it, and remarkably, Book's young, and everyone's happy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting well. what Gareth's saying there about Brown, Craig. I, I personally would leave Brown in for the for, for the reasons you said last week. Um, I think he helped Van Arnold's game no end by playing alongside him. Communication's a big thing. There was a marked improvement in Van Arnold, Van Arnold's positional play. Um, Something else, actually, I mentioned to Gus, so we'll hear what he said about that. 
And a couple of players, Van Arnold, very much work in progress, isn't he? There was a marked improvement from last week, positionally off the ball, he was getting dragged inside a lot. He kept his shape a lot better today, and besides the goal, you know, if that's the if that's how he's going to keep on on the trajectory, it's going to be. He needs to get better and know what we want. Uh, we got a great asset at the football club, which is Tarico Tano, which when he's up to the full backs, I give it to Tano. Tano knows the position better than anyone. Uh, you you can talk to him. You know, he said you are quicker than me. You know, you the strength stronger than me. You know, you are left footed playing on the left side, so you got plenty of things I didn't have. Now you just need to know the positioning and the decision making. And if he does what we're trying to, to teach him, it's going to take time. It's going to be a very good left back. Van Harnot leads the player for me, Craig, for the reason we said about Rodwell, just to somebody. He's, he's brushing up on his game week by week, clearly. So he needs to play to get used to that system. For that reason alone, I would have Brown in alongside him again. I think Gareth Wright, the genie, might come in. O'Shea is one who you would like to see rest every now and again. Well, so he, we, yeah. we think and we think and. Jones, Virginie, Brown, Van Arnold, back four? Could be an argument for keeping O'Shea and Brown together. I know what you mean, you want Maybe. to see them get rested, but at the same time, O'Shea's it's nice O'Shea's one to pick up yeah. Niggles, oh, isn't he? he oh, mm. yeah. That's a, yeah. And he's got two internationals coming up that's as well. That's a good point. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's it then. Maybe because you want to see Virginie ultimately. He's there so he can play right back or centre back. Exactly. So and he's going to need to get those centre half games yeah. in as well. Because he, he did look pretty ropey there, albeit as part of a back three. Um, in games for us when he first signed and everyone thought like who's this player we've signed he doesn't look like a footballer and then when he reverted to sort of right back he, he really settled in and he needs to take that sometimes happens I think when a player comes comes into this country you, you, right back you can get away with it a bit more gives you a little bit of time to settle but then when you move to centre back you can carry that form and confidence into what's supposedly his natural position so it'd be quite nice to see him get a, get a game there like mm-hmm. Gareth you um Happy with that back four? I know you said mm-hmm. Browning, but Van Arnold particularly needs to play. Yeah, definitely. And um, the marked improvement, the game better. gone, which we didn't mention. There was yeah. one one incident we knew noticed um, where he came back and tracked his running Van Persie and stopped Van Persie getting yeah. in. Now he gave a goal away at West Brom by failing to do that. Yeah. And we discussed last week, you know, is that something a player can pick up as they go along? Can they be taught it? Yeah. That was certainly, you know, he's, he's went and rectified that and in the very next game. Positioning all the areas of fearless in, you were talking about how well um, uh, Jones was carrying the ball out. There was a few times where Van Arnold was quite close to to Jones, and he sort of just he sort of thought, "I'm going to run after him." And he, at West Brom, he chased people. He chased mm. the ball in areas where he shouldn't have been. He, he you could see him correct himself. So when there was into where Jones was carrying the ball into the centre of the pitch. Van Arnold was going with him and then he just decided no I'm not going there dropped off and went and, and went back into shape which he should be doing especially when Man United weren't even really well like you say they weren't playing with the tempo that would make it difficult for us if we weren't because you know we were getting back into shape really easily so yeah um, a lot better a lot better um, and he's quick very quick ok so what do people want to see from from this game at Birmingham and then just to wrap things up Damien it's night Two games, two draws. A win would be nice, no matter what competition it is. Well, I mean, when you think of the boost the, this competition gave Sunderland last year, I mean, you, you could say, arguably, that this competition kept them up, really, because it gave gave them momentum all right. They, after, after the final, they, there was a dip, but I, I think it did so much for them last season. That I think there'd be a real, real appetite to, to have another go this year. 
and uh, see where it takes. I mean, Poy, it was funny yesterday. He said, well, you, you wait 20 years for it to get to a final and then you want two in a row. I mean, but, <laughs> but I'm sure nobody would complain if that happened. Win on the board, no injuries, is that the ideal scenario? For nice people? clean sheet maybe as well. You know, a nice. Obviously, first and foremost, you just want to win the game, but it would be nice for that defence, whoever is part of it, to keep a clean sheet as well. Maybe a couple of goals, someone like Altador to score would be very nice mm. as well. Not to be too greedy. And the fans to give Lee Clark some stick. There you go. Perfect. That's why I'm going. Perfect game. Perfect game. Right, OK. We'll your leave your voice uh, double. Yeah, my voice double. Uh. Did you, didn't you get recognised for your voice again at the weekend? Well, it wasn't honest. because of my voice. I just let the lad out the row and he said, oh, I'm the one who said you sound like Lee Did Clark. He? Did yeah, he? Oh, like, you've, you've met the person who said that. Uh, I said, are you going down on uh, on Wednesday? He said, yeah, I was like, I'm going just to give stick to Lee Clark. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK. We'll leave things there then. Um <clears throat> We'll be back um, next QPR. Probably after we we'll get a good item down there. Everyone's expecting mm-hmm. us to turn them Obviously over. But, um, into the light as well. Thank, but thanks to Sun FM for the uh, audio, by the way, which we, we should have probably said that. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, so if you haven't subscribed into the light yet, why not? Yeah, go do it. Go do it now. Yeah. Thanks. If you go to wisemensay.co.uk, all the details how, on how to subscribe, as well as words from myself and Craig and Stephen and things are all on there. <laughs> Get, it, get in and around it. What more could you want? Thanks for listening. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.